Palm branches remind us of that day when Jesus came into Jerusalem and his followers and people who'd heard him or seen him were singing and waving palm branches. But Jesus knew, uh, even though he had received this warm welcome, he knew that things would likely not be going well for him over the next days. He knew it because of all the run-ins he'd had with the Pharisees and the religious leaders during the course of his ministry. Uh, He'd gotten into trouble. He'd angered them by healing on the Sabbath. He'd scandalized them by uh, eating with sinners, going to their houses, actually sitting down with prostitutes and tax collectors and sharing a meal. Um... Now here he was coming into the holy city of Jerusalem, the headquarters of those religious leaders that were offended by him. So how could it possibly go well? I suppose he wouldn't have had to go there. He could have stayed out in the hinterlands. He did most of his ministry in Galilee, Capernaum, Nazareth. He could have done a sort of a guerrilla style, you know. Um, But then his mission had to do with the religion of Israel. He had a calling to reform it and to demonstrate what it was meant to be. And the religion of Israel was centered in Jerusalem. The temple was the epicenter. And so to be true to his calling in relation to the religion of Israel, there was no way to really avoid the city. Just like if you want to talk to the Pope, you've got to go to Rome. Just like our Canadian indigenous delegation did recently. Or if you want to protest the government of Canada, like the truckers did, you have to go to Ottawa. And if you want to reform the Mennonite Church of Eastern Canada, sooner or later you're going to have to show up at Kent Street. (laughs) That's just the way it is. Jesus had a lot of courage to go to Jerusalem at that time in his ministry, at that time of the Passover. He was willing to face the very real possibility of conflict and suffering, and that is no small thing. Suffering is generally something we try to avoid, and I wanted to reflect briefly on suffering this morning. It's central to the two texts that were read that are part of our Palm Sunday lectionary readings. The psalmist suffers greatly. Jesus suffers even to the point of death. Life is full of suffering, and these days we're perhaps more aware of it than we usually are, even though in our country we're more sheltered from it. Um, But we're affected so deeply with the images and the stories coming out of Ukraine. The horrors of civilians being killed and tortured. 
we've suffered with others with the pandemic and continue to suffer uh, with the uncertainty now being in a sixth wave. And as a nation, we're becoming more aware with the suffering of our indigenous brothers and sisters as a result of residential schools. How are we to approach this topic, suffering? How are we to understand it? Seems like the Christian tradition has some contradictory messages, at least on the surface. On the one hand, there is the command to be ready to suffer. Take up your cross, says Jesus. Blessed are you, he says in the Beatitudes, when you are persecuted, when you suffer indignities for my sake. The Apostle Peter says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you are sharing in the sufferings of Christ. So suffering seems to be a part of the Christian life. And yet Jesus' ministry was largely about the alleviation of suffering. He had compassion for people. His desire was to relieve them of their pain, heal their ailments and their minds. John tells us that Jesus came to bring life in wholeness and abundance, getting rid of suffering. Come to me, Jesus said, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So it seems that there are different types of suffering. Some types we are called to accept and to take on, and other types we are called to alleviate or avoid. Suffering for a good cause, for the sake of truth, and fidelity to Christ, is quite different from suffering randomly or accidentally. If you get a bad headache, there's no purpose or benefit in toughing it out, it's better to take a Tylenol or an ibuprofen. That sort of suffering doesn't do anyone any good. If your house is destroyed in a war, if your nerves are shattered, there's no use in that. It's a great tragedy. Such suffering should be condemned and avoided and prevented at all costs. However, there are other situations in which suffering can be necessary or even beneficial. Um, I'm thinking of suffering related to a personal goal, to achieve something. Like if you want to be an elite athlete, you have to suffer through the training. Getting up early, enduring the pain, the exhaustion. But it can be worth it if your goal is to make it to the Stanley Cup Finals or perhaps the World Cup of Soccer. Likewise, if you want to get through graduate school, you have to study hard, maybe even on the weekends, um, miss some social events. This is the sort of suffering uh, connected to a tangible and achievable reward. As the saying goes, no pain, no gain. But there's yet another type of suffering, 
And that's the type for the sake of love or truth or a relationship or for a future goal that won't be achieved within our own lifetime. And that's the sort of suffering that Jesus was facing and choosing when he entered the city that day. It wasn't that he was wanting to suffer, because you'll remember in the garden he prayed, you know, if it's possible, let this cup be taken from me. I don't want to suffer. But if it be thy will, give me the strength. This type of suffering is not for one's own personal reward, but in the service of a higher good. And this is the hardest one. It's the hardest one because it transcends the self. And in order to transcend the self, one has to perceive and to believe in something larger than the self, something that is actually real. And Jesus had this belief. He, he did trust in a larger dimension, in something larger than his own physical life. And if we've never had the taste of something that's transcendent and real, it's going to be very hard to suffer in this selfless sort of way. We won't be much use to say to ourselves, oh, we should be able to do this, or we're going to try hard. Um, being moralistic won't really help. Instead, if we're possibly going to be able to do this or grow into it, the best way is probably to seek contact with that larger something, that larger dimension that's real, beyond ourselves. And for Jesus, this was his spiritual awareness of God this loving and personal presence that he perceived and felt. As the scriptures tell us, an eternal presence that permeates the whole world, a presence that even exists beyond the death of the self. This is the thing, um, more than anything, that... Uh, I think as Christians, we're called to seek and to be in touch with. Where this, when we establish this connection, this trust, then all the other things will be added. And so may God grant us in these days, by God's grace, a taste of this everlasting presence. Amen.